0: Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Albaton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His holy word. So Luke chapter 2, we are only one week from Christmas now. So have you gotten all your shopping done? Huh? All right. I mean, now listen. Some of you may have a little more to do. Men, just let me remind you. (laughs) It is the week before Christmas, so you got to get busy, okay? You got to get busy. How many of you all would say that you love getting Christmas presents at Christmas? Don't be ashamed. Come on. Who doesn't? I mean, every hand should be upright. How many of you love giving presents at Christmas? Amen. Me too, man. Gift-giving, gift-receiving is certainly one of the highlights every Christmas. But while every box has something different in them, maybe it's a, a game, a toy, an electronic, maybe it's an appliance, you know, um, uh, maybe it's a, a tool that you can work with, maybe it's just, just something that, uh, that, that you can have around the house to look pretty, maybe it's crafty, maybe your husband made it for you. Some of you, uh, some of you men are able to do that sort of thing. Some of you ladies as well, and just uh, make some just beautiful stuff. But you think about every gift has something different in them, okay? But in one sense, every box has the same thing in them. Even though they all have something different in them, in one sense, in another sense, they all have exactly the same thing, and that's joy. Have you ever thought about it in that way? Every time you take and you go out and buy something, and you wrap up a gift, you are wrapping up a little gift. Piece of joy. Just a bit of it, right? That person you take and you put their name on it and you're hoping that when it's finally time for the paper to go flying that that person looks at it and there is joy expressed on their face and they take it and they wear it or they play with it or they work with it and they are thankful, they are glad that you loved them enough to give them a piece of joy. But let me say, while a gift under a tree is certainly joy, it's meant for joy, they are just a taste. Just a taste of joy. Just like the food you're going to eat here. In just a little while, we're going to break from here. You're going to head out from lunch or head out to lunch, and you're going to get to eat something good probably, okay? And just think about that for a moment. When you eat and you're chewing, you're swallowing, you're tasting, you're savoring, but once it exits your mouth and tongue, once it leaves your taste buds, It's gone, right? It's just a taste of delicious food. Well, the joy wrapped under the tree is just a taste in that way, right? It's fleeting. It's, It's really joy, but it's only a taste of joy. It'll be here today. It'll be gone in just a short time at some point in the future. It's joy, but not lasting joy. So I want this morning to point you to the place where lasting joy is found. It won't come down a chimney. It's not wrapped under a tree at home, right? There is only one place to find lasting joy, and that is in whom? Everybody say Jesus. That's right. So today I'm calling you to do one thing, and here it is. I'm calling you to run to Jesus to find joy. That's what I'm calling you to. That's what I'm hoping you will run toward, right? Run to Jesus to find joy. In the midst of running here and and running there, if you really want to find joy this Christmas, run to Jesus. In fact, that's exactly what the shepherds did the night that Jesus was born. Okay? So I'm going to invite you to stand to honor the reading of the Word of God this morning. Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 8 through 20. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Through twenty, The Bible says this, God's holy word, God's perfect revelation to us. Without error, it says this. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray to God. Father, we come to you today. After reading the word of God here, we want you, Father, to enlighten us, God, that you would illuminate the text, that we would understand what it says. But then, God, help us to bridge that gap from what it says to how we then live that out here in 2017. We are thankful for this holiday that we call Christmas. And I pray, Father, that we would honor you with everything we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Invite you to grab your seat. So as the shepherds ran to Jesus, I invite you this morning. Invites not, it's not strong enough, right? I implore you. I beg you. I beseech you. Run to Jesus this Christmas. To find joy. Now our text this morning gives us at least four reasons to do so. So I want to share those with you this morning. We're continuing in our series. We're calling it the the Hymns of Christmas. Just kind of titling each one after a, 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 a favorite Christmas song. And today you might have guessed. I don't know if you've caught it in the theme so far. But joy to the world is the name of today's message. And so at least four reasons to run to Jesus this Christmas To find joy. And the first reason is this, is that he is the promised Savior. Jesus is the promised Savior. Here in Luke 2, we have the the quintessential Christmas text, don't we? I mean, even, even when Charlie Brown threw his head back and screamed in frustration, Isn't there anyone who knows about Christmas? Linus stepped up to the mic in the spotlight right there at center stage. And what text did Linus quote? Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. And then he turned to Charlie Brown. He said, Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is all about. You see, Jesus had just made the trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem, being carried in his mother's womb. And Mary and Joseph, they, they, they arrived in Bethlehem with all the other travelers. You see, there were so many coming to this town. They were all moving about because the Caesar had... Ordered a census. They had to go to their, their, their family's town to be registered. And so they got there in town. There were a lot of people there already. They quickly find the cleanest, softest, warmest spot in the Bethlehem Inn barn. For them to give birth to this baby. I mean, they would have loved to have stayed in the inn. Would have loved to have, but the inn was already full of people. And so Mary gave birth to Jesus there in a cattle stall, swaddled Jesus all up, and then laid him in a manger for a crib. Now, as you well know, I mean, Jesus is is no ordinary baby. The Bible says that he was conceived miraculously in Mary's womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. The angel Gabriel had visited Mary just a few months earlier, right? Nine months or so earlier. As sent by God, he came to inform Mary about what was going to happen. And, and when he told her that she was going to have a baby, Mary, who understood biology pretty well at that point, was so confused. Luke one thirty four. Luke one thirty four. Mary said to the angel, "How will this be, since I am a virgin?" And so the angel says, "I get what you're saying. This doesn't make sense on human." terms. But what's about to happen is not a human thing. God is about to do something. And so he says in Luke 1, 35 through 37, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And and behold, your relative is Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth Month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And that's what God did. God here did the impossible. He 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 sent a team of angels to declare to the world that he had done the impossible. Right there in the middle of the night. Our text here says that the angels just boom, busted forth there, light all around. Can you imagine? How scary that moment must have been. I mean, have you ever been in the woods like when a, when, a, when a wild animal yells or something like that? And, you know, just the hair on the, the back of your neck stands up. I mean, you're just out at of tension. But can you imagine being out there and all of a sudden the brilliance, the glory of the Lord shining forth? I hope them dudes packed an extra pair of fruit of the looms. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I'm just being real. Just getting real here, okay? <laughs> but the angel said, listen, y'all, y'all ain't got anything to worry about. They were bringing good news. Look at verse 11. Luke 2, 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The promised Savior had finally been born. And so even here, run to Jesus to find joy, right? Because He is the promised Savior. You see, whether you realize it or not, every single one of us need saving. There are lots of lots of differences between us, right? We are all unique, but we share one commonality with every other person on the planet, and that is at the cross of Christ, we are spiritually bankrupt, we are guilty in our sins, and we have no hope inside of ourselves. therefore, our only hope is outside of ourselves our only hope is in a savior and here he is his name is jesus his name literally means savior the lord saves and he came to save you he came to save me from the penalty of our sins and he was a long time coming y'all a long a long time coming much much longer than 9 months he had been promised for thousands of years all the way back to the garden of eden when the very first man and woman, our first mom and dad sinned against God and threw all of creation into futility, Through all of creation under the bondage of sin and under the curse of God against sin. 300 plus prophecies and promises about this coming Messiah, this promised Savior in the Old Testament. he's finally here he was finally there and the angels told the shepherds to be filled with what joy joy because the savior had been born and i say to you this morning guys listen it's not enough to simply have christmas it's not enough to pass out gifts or to send cards or or to attend a service you have not had christmas until you are filled with joy in Jesus. He's been born, the Savior, the only Savior. Your only Savior. He's been born. His name's Jesus, and there you will find joy. Second, you should run to Jesus to find joy because his good news is for all people. His good news. Is for all people. Look at what the, the angel declared, verse 10, Luke two ten. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Beloved, this is not just good news for one person or, or one people. It's good news, as the Greek says, ponte to lao, right? For all the people. He's not just the Savior of the Jews. Although he came, From the Jewish nation, the Jewish ethnicity, he came to save every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, all who will call on the name of the Lord. Therefore, he's not just the Savior of Israel. He's the Savior of Germany. He's the Savior of Russia, of of China, India, Brazil, Australia, Indonesia, Mexico, Canada, the United States of America, and every nation in between, he is the Savior of the world. Isn't that what God told us in John 3.16? 3, John 3.16, you ever think of that passage as a Christmas passage? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. You know what we could say? We could, we could take out the word gave and put it in the word gifted, right? For God so loved the world that he gifted his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is good news. Indeed, it's great news. Jesus came to, 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 to rescue us, right? He came on a rescue mission for the world. Have you ever spotted a big old present under the tree? Maybe it's a new one that someone has just wrapped. And you're looking there and you're thinking, I'll bet that one's mine. I can just tell by the way it's shaped. I can tell by where it's sitting under that tree. That present is probably mine. You get all excited and you're trying to imagine what's in it. You maybe even pick it up and shake it a little bit. And then you flip it over and you look on there and say, that's not my name on the tag. Right? You ever been there before? It's like, no, man, I wanted this one. Let me say this to you this morning. God has given you a gift. And your name is always on that tag. God has offered you salvation. And he has offered you a gift. He has gifted Jesus to you. And if there were a name tag on salvation, it would say from God to you. Beloved, that's good news. He has offered it to you specifically. So I pray if there's anybody under the sound of my voice who is yet to run to Jesus... I pray today would be the day that you would run to him that you would receive him along with joy. Third, third you should run to Jesus to find joy because he experienced the fullness of human existence. He experienced the fullness of human existence. Look at Luke 2:12. Luke 2:12 tells us this will be a sign. This is the angel still speaking. This will be a sign this will be a sign for you to the shepherds. You'll find a baby. Wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. Has it ever stricken you as, as strange that the Savior of the world, God in the flesh, would come as a baby? I mean, he swaddled up. He can't even take his hands and slap somebody, right? I mean, he, he, he's all swaddled up. He can't do Anything. Wouldn't it make sense? Why in the world would God do that? I mean, wouldn't it make sense for Jesus if, if he was really going to save the world to come as a full-grown man? I mean, in the movies, the heroes aren't babies. I think thinking Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and, 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 and Chuck Norris, right? I mean, I'm dating myself here, right? I'm sure, there are some, I'm sure there are some newer action heroes, but nobody can top Chuck Norris. I'm telling you right, right? I mean, not even Boss Baby. Was an actual baby, y'all know that right? Should have gave a spoiler alert. I'm sorry. Should have gave a spoiler alert. But here the angel tells them that the savior was a baby. a baby. At first glance, that doesn't make sense. But when you understand God's plan, beloved, it makes perfect sense. It makes absolutely perfect sense. You see, Jesus came to save mankind by being our substitute. Therefore, as our substitute, he had to become like us in every way. He's not just going to redeem adulthood. He's not just going to redeem those teenage years. He's going to redeem even infancy, the fullness of that human experience, right? He had to become fully human or he could not fully save humanity. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 14 through 18 describes it this way. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, speaking of Jesus, Jesus himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that's the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives, for assuredly he does not give help to angels. But he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Michael Riccardi so eloquently speaks of the incarnation, the enfleshing of the eternal Son of God this way. Here's what he said. He said, God, becoming man, the infinite, eternal, self-existent, self-sufficient, almighty God without shedding His divine nature, taking upon Himself in addition to His divine nature, a human nature, Truly becoming one of us. In the incarnation of the Son of God, it can properly be said that the immutable, unchangeable God became what He wasn't while never ceasing to be what He was. Therefore, His human life, Jesus' human life, began just like our human life as a baby. And in that, we should be filled with joy Wrapped in those swaddling cloths was indeed the Savior. A baby who grew to live the perfect life that we can never live. A baby who grew to die the death we deserve. A a, a baby who grew to be resurrected. Winning victory over sin, death, and the devil. and, And bringing forth the first fruits of eternal life that you and I have been promised in Jesus So I say to you this morning, man, praise God that Jesus came as a baby. And I say to you, run to him. Run to him and find joy. Finally, you should run to Jesus to find joy because he is the highest thing we can rejoice in. He is the highest thing that you can rejoice in. If you want joy, nah, nah halfway, then only focus on this stuff this Christmas. Only focus on the people around you. Only focus on your situation. Only focus on what's good in your life. But if you want joy unspeakable, that the choir just sang about, if you want joy that is unquenchable, if you want joy that is unceasing, if you want joy... To the highest, then you got to run to Jesus because that's where it's found. Look here at Luke two thirteen through sixteen, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, "Listen to this, guys! Glory to God in the highest!" That's what the angels were doing, right? They were they were they were running to God. They were praising God. They were rejoicing in the highest thing they could rejoice in and on earth peace among men with whom he's pleased. Verse 15, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds came saying to one another, let us go straight away to Bethlehem then and and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, in haste, and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. These shepherds ran after the fullness of joy. They chased after. And there are many things that we could run after, many lesser things, but the greatest thing we can rejoice in, that we can have joy in, is Jesus. The Apostle Paul said it this way. In Philippians 3, this is a man who had lived a full life, a lots of life. He had accumulated a lot of honors along with his name. He was a man who was proud of his heritage and his lineage His peers thought highly of him. But here's what he said. Philippians 3, 7 through 11, he said, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him, not having the righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Here is a man, here is our brother, Paul, who knew the highest thing he can chase after in life is Jesus. Because in Jesus is fullness of joy. And the shepherds. You know what? I don't know if they followed Jesus after this. I don't know. The, the Bible doesn't tell us. But in that moment, they were filled with joy. Verse 20, look what it says: Luke 2:20. And the shepherds returned. They went back to watching their field, their flocks by night, okay? Watching over their flocks by night. They returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. There once was a man, actually he's still alive, who growing up, his family had a tradition. Every Christmas, their dad would go and take a room in the house and he would literally take the doorknob off the door on the outside so the kids couldn't get in. And that dad, he would take and he would decorate a tree in there. And, and, and all this, this was several years ago, decades ago. And he would decorate a tree and he would make it all pretty and he'd set the room up and he'd put all the gifts in there. And when the time had come, he would go. The kids couldn't open the door, but he would go and grab that door, sling it open, and the kids would come running in squealing with delight at what their Father had provided them. As we sat here this morning, the door had been locked for so many years in one sense because Jesus had yet to come. But now He has come. The gift has been wrapped and opened and everything has been set and prettified and made ready for you. The door has been flung open. And God the Father says, come. I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice would run in and find Jesus so that they may find joy. Here's my final prayer. As the praise team comes, may our joy be made complete in Christ this Christmas. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is... The most important question you'll ever answer, where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live. And he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what He has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and follow Him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.